0: it's brandy taylor the beauty business coach i help beauty pros get unstuck and create the beauty business of their dreams it's truly my goal to help beauty pros work smarter and not harder i feel that you can truly do what you love and make great money doing it and have a thriving beauty business i want to see more of us do just that i'm opening up my vip beauty biz coaching program for 12 beauty bosses. If you're ready to level up your beauty business, to make more money, to work smarter and not harder, and maybe have some Saturdays off. Yes, you could definitely have Saturdays off if you build the beauty brand of your dreams. I would love to work with you. I would love to help you to create just that. I've worked with many beauty professionals on their beauty business goals, and this program is tailored just for you. Find out more about how you can work with me as your business coach by booking a call. You can check the link in the show notes. I hope to work with you soon. As always, stay great and I'm out. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's a new day, a new week, and a new episode of the Business Beauty Network podcast. Welcome, welcome. I'm super excited to bring today's episode to you. Make sure that you are subscribed to the Business Beauty Network podcast wherever you're listening. You can also check out our podcast on our website at businessbeautynetwork.com. So check it out there and you can watch our YouTube videos as well. We also are on YouTube at Biz Beauty Network. So make sure you subscribe there. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. Reviews really help other people to find us. So review us there. And you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Biz Beauty Network. You can also follow me at Brandy Taylor on Instagram and Facebook as well. I would love to connect with you there. DM me and screenshot your favorite episode and let me know how you're loving the podcast. I have an awesome, awesome episode in store for you today. But guys, can you believe like we are in a new season? It's already April. So April is here. It's the second quarter. Are you ready? Are you ready? Did you get ready? I know I am. I took the um, last week or so really making sure I had some things in place for the new quarter. And I've been really working like the last month or so to really get things in order and plan things out accordingly. So I'm super, super excited for the new season. Spring is one of my favorite seasons because the weather is changing, it's warming up, The flowers are going to be blooming soon and all of those great things. So I'm just super, super excited for the new season. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast as well so that you can catch our new segment with Holly K. That's going to take place this week. The Grammys was last night. So I know Holly's going to be talking all about the Grammys and all of the great things that she shares there. So she shares everything beauty, fashion, and trends. So you don't want to miss the midweek beauty news with Holly K. That episode will drop this Wednesday. So make sure you stay tuned for that as well. But let's get into today's episode. I had an awesome interview with Jane Lee. She is the co-founder of LaunchPop, and we had a phenomenal conversation about marketing and launching your brand. And she gave some very awesome tips on what it takes to launch a successful brand and how to market and position yourself in the market as a new e-commerce brand. So if you have a brand or thinking about launching your own beauty brand, this would definitely be a great episode for you. But even if you don't, she gave a lot of marketing tips and gems and just was such a wealth of knowledge and we had a great conversation. Here's a little bit of Jane's bio. Jane Lee is the co-founder of LaunchPop, a venture studio that has helped launch dozens of brands in the beauty industry. Jane and her team focuses on brand strategy and community building to help brands make sure that they have a product that stands out in the market. Since founding LaunchPOP in 2017, Jane has helped launch over 60 brands with a combined valuation of over $300 million. Before LaunchPOP, Jane served as an entrepreneur in residence at Shopify. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview and here it goes. Hey, welcome to the podcast, it's your host Brandi Taylor, we have an awesome guest today, Jan Lee. Welcome Jan! Hi, how are you? Great, great. I was super excited to talk to you today. So, tell us something about yourself that most people would not know. Ooh, <laughs> that's a very, very interesting question.
1: Um, Let's see. Um, I think something that people would never know is that I used to be like a really avid dancer when I was younger. I was a really good pop and locker and I could do break dancing and stuff, which like not a lot of people like know that because they only know like my business side of me. But what's really interesting is that I do think that dancing actually has helped me a lot in business because, you know, when you learn how to dance at a young age, you learn how to kind of like self-express and also gain this confidence and it also helps you with sales because you're able to like capture people's attention more quickly because you understand like stage presence you know Mm -hmm. so um so yeah dance has really helped me and I think it's like a good skill set to try for anyone (laughs) right you know what
0: I I've always loved to dance myself but I think and I I did the same thing when I was younger I danced a lot But I think as I've gotten, you know, older, I kind of like love dancing behind, but now I've been dancing more, you know? Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I just actually rediscovered my love for dancing. Yeah.
1: I think it's like, as you get older, you try to find moments that make you feel young. And you just like also remember that that your inner child is still in there and it still exists and you try to nurture it and make her happy. Right. So I get, I totally get that. Yeah.
0: (laughs) yes yes i would agree but you know the way you explained it like it helps you better in sales and business i never thought of it that way but that's definitely a great insight on like how you see dance
1: yeah and and another thing that people probably don't know is like i think a lot of people assume that i read a lot of business books but i actually Mm -hmm. never read business books i only read fiction books so like murder mysteries, sci-fi um you know like fictional stories about characters and um (laughs) people are like, why? It's so pointless. And I'm like, you know what? It actually makes me a better marketer and a better leader because, um, fiction books write with such descriptive words. Right. And you're able to like draw from these descriptions and actually like utilize that in your work. And it actually helps you be more, become more creative because you start imagining the scenes in your head. And so visually you're able to become a better marketer. Um, so for me, and I like learning via doing versus reading. So like, I don't learn via text textbooks or anything like that.
0: I'm the same way. I don't learn via text, you know, either. I actually listen to my books because I'm a musical person. So I can remember a song. I can remember what I hear. I can retain what I hear better than reading it for some reason. Everybody's different. But it's interesting that you say that because I think I need to kind of like, I'm so stuck in these like self-help books or the next marketing book or, you know what I mean? And I don't read for fun anymore. When I was growing up, I used to read, like, romance novels and stuff. Like, you know, they would describe, you know, how he would stroke her hair and all those (laughs) things. I I used to love that. So I think I need to get back
1: into those types of things. Get back into it. Let your, like, mind soar and imagine stuff. And it'll just make you such a better, like, business person and marketer and, like, you're able to, cause everyone loves like a good story too. So when you're like doing your podcast, you can like pull from these like imaginations, the stories that you have in your head. Um, yeah. And honestly, I feel like if you read too much business books, I feel like you, you try to emulate someone else's like process for success and everyone's so different, you know, like you fundamentally as a human are so different in terms of what you, what drives you, what excites you. You grew up so differently. So like, I think you become more creative about how to problem solve in business if you haven't read a single book. That's Mm -hmm. my biased opinion.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. You know, that's some great insight for sure. And I think I need to, you know, read more things that are outside of business as well. And it kind of just like broaden my horizons in that. And I feel like reading anyway makes you more well-rounded. It's, been, it's definitely helped me. There's been situations where if I hadn't read about it, I wouldn't have known anything about it. And I wouldn't totally. have been able to kind of like chime in on a conversation, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's definitely been helpful in business for sure. But yeah, yeah. glad to have a book nerd like myself <laughs> on the podcast today. Yeah. But Jen, tell us like your entrepreneurial story like how did you get into your business like what you're doing now
1: yeah I mean like it's interesting because I think like um, my entrepreneurial journey started from when I was like a kid my parents um, are immigrants from Korea and they came to Canada mm-hmm. without being able to speak English and they started you know a convenience store and a, and a market and um watching that I think entrepreneurship has always been a part of like my blood because I've always like considered that the norm starting something and putting your risk into something um and then my first ever entrepreneurial experience was actually in high school um this was back in the day when baby fat was like super cool and like fat farm and echo red and I would go to Korea every summer and there was like a lot of fake baby fat stuff so I was like cool, let me just buy these t-shirts for a dollar and sell sell them for $20 in my high school. So it was like my first ever business was actually at my locker selling baby stuff for overpriced (laughs) numbers. Yeah. And then I uh, went to college for business. And when I was in business school, I was looking at all the different kinds of roads that I could take, you know, finance, consulting, marketing, and I really fell in love with brand management. And so like, Uh, What's interesting about brand management is it's marketing, but I think a lot of people have this misconception that marketing is all like advertising and pretty packaging. And yes, that's actually a part of marketing, but it's actually such a small sliver of it because marketing and brand management is actually like managing the business, figuring out what the supply chain is, what is the forecasting, the volumes, like owning the P&L of the actual business. And so I kind of fell in love with marketing in that sense. Um, and then after school went to work at general mills and PepsiCo, um, as a brand manager, I was on their innovation desk. So launching new products for them. And then I left and then I actually started my first company after that, which is called silly B intimates. And it was a sticky bra brand, you know, those stick hey. on yeah bras. So I started that. And like, that was, I guess it's been like nine years now and, um, bootstrapped that whole entire business. Um, It was also back in the day, I was like super young, I didn't really have the financial literacy to understand anything about fundraising or debt. Like, and that's, and that's something that I'm very passionate about teaching women about, because I think not enough women understand, um, like that you can fundraise for your company, you're, you're good enough, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So I bootstrapped that whole entire company, I sold it, and then I joined Shopify as their entrepreneur in residence. So I was at Shopify for around, Two, three years working on like a bunch of different projects. Um, was able to actually help launch Kylie Jenner's lip kits, which is like oh. a whole crazy experience. So, I spent some time mm-hmm. in Calabasas, um, and then left Shopify and then started Launch Pop, my current company. So, my second company. Um, and what we do at Launch Pop is we help entrepreneurs launch their companies. So, like, it's like a startup on steroids, essentially, like, you just like. <laughs> We are a startup, but we help other people launch their startups. Um, And we really focus on like launching brands in the health and wellness slash beauty, skincare, food and beverage space. Um, So those are kind of like our biggest top categories. And we really help founders from the very beginning. So like people will come to us with like a lipstick or like literally like a, a collagen innovation in a bottle. And we will help them figure out how to find product market fit. And then we'll go into branding, packaging, all the beautiful stuff, website, and then launch them and then grow them and then help them get funding. So.
0: Now, what inspired you to start this business? I know you have a partner and other team members that work with you on this business, but what inspired you to start it? I think
1: I kind of like had all these experiences growing up. So like, at CPG companies, at tech, um, had my own company. And over time, I started to see a repetition in terms of what made me excited and also what I was good at and also what people came to me for. And it was always, it always had to do with like launching something, like something, some, someone was launching something, they'd always be like, go t- talk to Jane um and the same thing happened with my co-founder she is a designer by background but she's also a great business person and every single time someone was starting a company or starting a new brand they would go to her to ask for advice and we were like why don't we start a company that helps people launch companies it kind of was like a natural progression um and it's also something we love doing right like working with founders and being a part of that, such an exciting period for them um but I mean, my co-founder and I, we were really good friends before we started the company. And I've been burned once with like a co-founder drama. And so we were really hesitant on starting it together, but we did. And the first company we launched was actually Morning Recovery, which is this hangover drink, which made like a million dollars in the first three months. Um, And yeah, it's been five years now since we started the company. And we moved the company from Toronto to LA actually four or five years ago. So we have offices in both cities.
0: Yeah. Great. So let's talk about it. You help brands, you know, like you said, they might come to you with a lipstick idea or whatever they have. Take us through like what it's been like starting this company and, you know, helping these brands. Like take us through like some of the things that you've done over the last five years. Yeah. Um,
1: Man, there's so many brands that we've launched. I, I counted once and I think it was like almost 200 brands that we've launched in the past five wow, years which is awesome. a lot we launch things really fast and I think that's why a lot of people like working with us um yeah so in terms of like the actual process like people will come to us very early stage you know some people will come to us like with a prototype of their product and it's not even done yet it's just like a sample that they cooked in their kitchen and they made like a lip gloss um, and they'll come to us and the first thing that we do is actually we do testing and I think a lot of other companies will be like, okay, let's go into branding and make a pretty packaging and a pretty brand. But for us, like I think our kind of like thesis is that anyone can make something pretty, but what's more more important than making something pretty is making something that converts. And so um, before we go into branding, we'll actually create a bunch of Facebook and Instagram ads of the actual product and we'll actually just shoot it out into the world and see who engages with it. Because so many times I think founders come to us and they're like, this lip gloss is going to target Gen Z and we're going to position it this way. And it's like, okay, but have you done the testing and the research around it? And the most founders haven't. And so um, we'll actually just like mock up an image of the product, even though it's not finished yet. We'll push it out on Facebook and Instagram ads and just watch and observe who clicks onto the ad and like which ad gets the most amount of engagement. Um, And that gives us some good data points as to like, how we should be positioning this product. And then on top of that, what we do is we create community. Um, So I think community is like one of the most important parts about launching a business these days, especially with the cost of acquisition getting so high. And so we kind of look at the product that they're trying to sell. And then we pick a platform. Is it Discord? Is it Instagram? Is it Facebook? Or is it Slack? And we create a private group um, very, very early on. And we invite anywhere from 150 to 200 people into this group. And over time, we get the founder to actually interact with these people. So like every single time we're making a decision around like, should the logo be this or this? Should the cap color be pink or purple? We actually just put it as a poll into the group and ask people to help us make a decision with us. So what ends up happening is over the next like five months that we're building the business, um, these people end up becoming almost like co-creators of the business with you. They start inviting their friends and then they end up becoming your ambassadors and your community members that feel like they actually built this business from the ground up with you. So it's a lot of loyalty.
0: Um, I love that. I love that. Yeah. So before you get, because you're giving so many gems, all right. <laughs> I like that you say you make something, make sure you have something that converts, right? And I think a lot of times, because I'm guilty of it, I've done it myself. We have this idea and we say, okay, we want to target women between the ages of 30 and 40, and this is what I'm doing. And you, and you put something out there, but if you don't test the market, you really don't know, like if your ideal target market that's in your head really is attracted to that product, if they have interest in that particular product. So I love how you do like these mock ups and kind of push it out there to kind of gauge your interest and see maybe you might think you want to target women between the ages of 30 and 40, but it might be that women between the ages of 25 and 35 are more attracted to your products. And doing those tests can um, help you see that. Now, some, now how, what are some ways that you can test that out? Is it like advertising or running ads on it and things of that nature? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we,
1: um, run Facebook and Instagram ads and we test all of that out beforehand. Um, and the reason why we use Facebook and Instagram ads is because it's the visual of it is like, you can communicate very quickly what the product is. Whereas like Google, it's kind of like hard to actually like describe what the product is, especially if there's some kind of innovation behind it. Um, but yeah, I, I recommend that to everyone. Like, I think like The thing about starting a business is that a lot of founders have biases around it. So it's like, because I think that people like me need this product, I'm going to talk about it in this way, but you're only a small percentage of this, of the U S you know, it's like a lot of founders create a brand for people who live in LA and New York city, and they don't create something for all the rest of the U S which is way more people. Right. And so. Um, for us, like we always say, like, we need to listen to the data, um, create data to inform our branding decisions. And so after we do all that testing on Facebook and Instagram ads, we then take all that data, combine that with like some of the qualitative data that we get from the community, because it's almost like that's like your surveys and you like your polls that you put up. And then we go into creating the brand the messaging, the brand story, the packaging, the website, the photography, and then we go into growth marketing and performance marketing.
0: Wow, that's very interesting. Now, have you had brands, maybe they bootstrapped everything, they've done everything themselves, they've been out a while, but but they've come to you to kind of revamp and rebrand. Have you been able to help those brands? For sure, yeah. I would say that that's like the second
1: biggest bucket of types of founders that work with us. They or already have a brand, they already have some traction, um, but they want to kind of like get to the next level of their business in terms of revenue, and they come to us. And the process is very similar. Like the only difference is at the beginning, we'll just do like a really big audit. We'll go behind the scenes of everything that they've collected in terms of data, and we'll figure out like what worked, what didn't work, who's the consumer. And then we'll still test things out because maybe there's something that, you know, the founders just missed and we want to stress test to see if it actually converts better than what they have right now so we'll test a bunch of stuff and then we'll make a recommendations of how to like rebrand and reposition to get to their next level so yeah totally that's like one of the, the big buckets of founders that work with us
0: yes and you talk a lot about community and i love that you know so make a testing it out making sure you have a brand that the market wants and understanding who the target market is, of course. And then, but building a community. And I love, like you say, having a founder kind of connect with them and all of those things. I, I see, I talk to a lot of people about it and sometimes it can be a struggle uh, trying to get, uh, you know, build your email list up when you're a new brand, building a community. So what are some yeah. ways that, you know, you could go about building it? I think like at
1: the very beginning, quality over quantity. And I think like a lot of founders get super stressed and like, Oh, my community is only like 15 people. But if those 15 people are genuinely so engaged with the mission of your business, that's way better than like 15,000 people that aren't honestly. So I think like, just like be aware of that. And like community is the only thing that doesn't scale quickly. I will say that like, it's like, you can't, Buy people to feel genuine connection with your business. Like you actually have to do it from a grassroots perspective. It takes a lot of time and effort because the founders can't fake themselves. Like they actually have to like engage with the community in a very, very genuine way. Um, and then you will reap the rewards later. So I think like number one advice is like start small, but with high quality people. Number two is like, be very genuine. Like these are going to be the people that you should actually really listen to because like they want to give you good advice around your business. Um, so listen to them and don't create a community just because you should. And that's one of the pillars of marketing, like do it because you want to actually learn from the people that are purchasing your products. Um, and then three, I think like when you get to a point when the community is starting to scale, I think having a team around the community is important. So hiring an intern or hiring someone that actually like, has a content calendar to manage and create engagement within the community. Input content in it, create like different experiences for this community versus your, you know, your larger community. Um, so I think like those are some things to keep in mind. But you will only get out what you put in for the community. I will say
0: that. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. So it, it, it's a process, and it definitely takes time to build. But it sounds like it's worth it because it's great to have a community of supporters, people that consistently support your brand and, you know, they understand it. And it also, as a founder, you being able to put something out that your community wants is is definitely beneficial as well. So that, that way they'll keep shopping with your brand. Yeah, totally. I mean, you have a community
1: too, right around the podcast. And it's like, these people are genuine people who like, feel like they are on this mission with you and they want to learn from you. And um, the only way you're going to grow is if they keep coming back, right? And they keep listening to your podcast that, that come back. And I think um, that topic is like a broader topic of retention because like, I think a lot of people when they start businesses, they constantly think about acquisition of new customers. But what's actually more important than new customers is actually keeping your existing customers coming back. Cause you've already spent the time and the money acquiring them. So you like, they're the cheapest people to come back and want more. So you have to treat them very, very well.
0: Now, what are some ways to get, you know, people to return, returning customers and re- client retention?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think like you should have, like, I think a lot of new brands, like they focus so much on acquisition that they kind of like leave retention to the very end. Um, but it's, It's just as important or even more important, actually. So um, having your marketer or if it's not your marketer and it's just you that's running the company, then having you focus on both equally and putting enough resources in both is important. Um, And I would say that you actually don't know what your customers want until you speak to them. So I think at the very beginning, if you've just launched your brand, like don't just like spray shit at them and and expect them to like come back like talk to them and be like hey like what would you want to see from us like let's say you only have one product to sell um what type of content do you want to see from me uh what would make you spread the word about my brand like actually having those genuine conversations like pick up the freaking phone talk to your clients like and talk to your customers like don't be shy and I think a lot of customers actually really love to hear from the founders of like a brand that they've um, bought from. And so speak to them and then get some data points and then start A-B testing a bunch of different, you know, tactics and channels, whether that's email marketing, SMS marketing, blogs, partnerships, and figure out what sticks. So making sure that you measure everything that you do is really important.
0: If you haven't heard of Gloss Genius and are serious about improving your beauty business, I suggest you check it out. Gloss Genius has become one of the industry's leading booking, marketing, and payment apps and is the only one that's smart, stylish, and here to support you. Tens of thousands of independent and small teams across salons or spas nationwide trust Gloss Genius to help them run their business. We can see why. You get beautiful, customized booking websites, easy client marketing tools, and the lowest fees on built-in payments and many more features for one low monthly price. The best part is that the Business Beauty Network podcast listeners get 20% off your monthly subscription, which makes your subscription under $20 per month. On top of that, the team at Gloss Genius will move all of your client info over, any notes, upcoming appointments, and services for free within a couple of days of signing up. To sign up for Gloss Genius, download the Gloss Genius app in your phone on the App Store and enter the code BBNBOSS. That's BBNBOSS. You will find more information in the show notes. Now, what about brand ambassador influencer marketing and things of that nature? Is that something that you guys help with as well? Uh, it's interesting. When we first
1: started the our company, LaunchPop, um, we did offer that as a service. And we were offering like literally everything, but we actually stopped offering that because it's just a lot of heavy lifting. Um, and so... I know a lot about it, but we don't offer that as a service. I think influencer marketing is not the same as it used to be maybe 10 years ago. Um, I think you should go into influencer marketing without the expectation of conversions. You should go into it with expectation of brand awareness and content creation. Um, So getting your um, brand out there, helping you with SEO. So I always actually tell founders to start with YouTube first because it's like SEO friendly versus Instagram, which like is in with its own ecosystem because it helps with like social validation and people will see your brand. And the first thing that they might do is actually go on YouTube and say like XYZ review. Right. So like, I think it's good to have that type of social validation. Um, And then use that content that the influencers make for your social, for ads, for your blogs, for emails, just use it as much as you can because creating content takes a lot of time and resources. So make other people do it for you. Um, So yeah, that's kind of like how I would approach influencer marketing. And it doesn't need to be at a a scale where like you have to work with an agency that costs X amount of dollars. Like you can hire your own intern and get the intern to actually reach out to the influencers themselves. And in some ways it's better because the influencers are able to actually like have more of a connection with the brand versus just an agency. And they're able to like, also able to like negotiate pricing with them too, because it's direct from the actual founder and the team. Um, And you create like a more of a long lasting relationship with them. And so, um, yeah, I think that would be my advice. Like one, like start, with it internally instead of with an agency. Um, two, um, go into it with expectations of brand new awareness and content. And three, I would start with YouTube because it helps with SEO um, and then go into Instagram. And
0: that's interesting that you say start with YouTube. Um, I know a lot of people probably jump to start with Instagram, right? Yeah. Like, I'm going to get my business with put my products on Instagram. But yeah, I started with YouTube. Like what are some ways that if you were starting your brand that you could show up on YouTube?
1: Yeah, um, honestly, it's just super simple. Just create an Excel sheet and then just start YouTubing like, um, you know, reviews of competitors of your product and see who's done like a really good job at the reviews and then reach out to them. Yeah. And I wouldn't be afraid of reaching out to influencers and ambassadors that have like a a small following. I mean, I don't think it matters because you're remember your objective is not conversions. It's actually for social validation, SEO and brand awareness. And so um, yeah, don't be afraid of that. And look more at engagement versus number of followers, to be honest. So, and you'll be very surprised. Like a lot of YouTubers are very responsive and they'll answer you and they'll be
0: willing to work with you. a question for you. Uh, how important do you think marketing is when starting a brand, like an e-commerce brand? Oh my God, it's the most important thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just wanted to say that because I think sometimes people, you know, don't want to invest in ads. You know, they're trying to figure out a way not to have to do these things. So I kind of wanted you to speak to that, the importance of marketing when you start your e-commerce brand.
1: Yeah, I think like um, it's, it's interesting because um, I think marketing and brand are one and the same. And um, I, like I mentioned before, like, I think like, marketing starts even before you have a brand. So like marketing, which is like creating community, right? Um, like create a group of people that actually wanna change the world with you, with your product. And then help them be a part of the journey of creating your brand. I think that's like marketing um, that can happen before then. And I think like it is important to have a good product. I will not lie about that because I think people can really sniff through like something that's pretty without a good innovation these days. Um, so having a good product is important, especially because, like, obviously you want retention and people only repeat purchase products that, they, that genuinely works or they like. Um, but without marketing, it's like you won't be able to acquire new customers. You won't be able to communicate the benefits correctly enough to actually convince someone to actually purchase your product. Um, so very important. It's like... <laughs> The I most like it's one of those thing.
0: foundational things that you do with your business, For but sure. sometimes people <clears throat> try to, you know, skimp out on it as much as possible. And, and sometimes that could be because when you're bootstrapping, maybe you don't really, maybe you've tested out, you know, advertising, you've tried putting your brand out there, you tried different things that didn't work. And maybe you don't have, when you're starting out with your brand, you don't have a big budget to hire like an agency like yours and people to help, like, you know, what, what would be something that you would suggest? Because I think sometimes that's where, where it kind of falls by the wayside when it comes to marketing and presenting a brand, they just don't have the funds to do it. Like, is there a way that you could do it affordably if you can't afford an agency and things like that?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. And I think like, like, realistically, like a lot of brands have been raising a lot of money. And it's kind of unfair because that means that if you don't raise money, you won't have the advantages that they do, right? So like some brands raise like anywhere from like 500k to like $3 million, even before they have a product. Imagine how much that gives you in terms of a leg up for marketing and creating community and creating like an audience for you to sell to. Um, So it's a little hard because competition is getting harder and harder, but it doesn't mean that you can't create a profitable business without funding. Um, I don't believe that I think as long as you create a a product and a brand that has like a niche audience that genuinely loves your product I think that's what matters the most and it might mean that you grow a lot slower than these brands that have fundraised like two million dollars but that's okay right like that's that's just like a lifestyle choice that you make as a founder around your business and um and so yeah like I think like one of the things that Uh, you can do with like a smaller amount of budget is probably um, lean on influencers a lot. So try to do something for product. I think um, doing like a lot of referrals is something that you could lean into because you just lean into people falling in love with your product and your brand and getting them to share the news about your product Um, and doing a lot of brand partnerships. So like reaching out to brands that have similar audiences as you, sharing email lists, being on their emails, you being, you also sharing their brands on your emails. I think that's a, another way that you could um, grow your business. And then just like, also don't forget about retail. Like, I think like um, there's an opportunity to like get your product in a shelf space at at a cute boutique down the road. And then just getting some like organic sales that way. Um, and then using that to kind of like create a case study to get into big retailers, right? So, so yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of creative ways that you can go about it.
0: Great, great, Jane. Thanks for the awesome tips. <laughs> yeah. For sure, no for sure. Way. So um, with LaunchPop, like what, what do you think separates you guys from other agencies that do some of your things?
1: Yeah, I think... A big differentiator is that my co-founder and I and my team, we are ex-founders. So all of us actually don't really come from an agency background. We actually come from a product background. So we've had like a brand that we've launched in the past. or we've had like a business that we've created in the past. And um, we actually don't know how to be agency people. Like we don't know how to be good agency people. We we know how to be good co-founders. So when people work with us, like I... I'm not afraid to push back. My team is not afraid to push back um, and challenge the founders in their way of thinking. Um, and I think a lot of the founders appreciate that. They're like, wow, you're not just doing what we're telling you to do. You're actually like thinking about it and saying like, why doesn't this make sense? How can we do it differently? So I think like that's one of the reasons why. Um, the second is like, I always say this, but like all of our team members have like both, both sides of their brain, the right side. And the left side so everyone on our team like knows what looks good is on top of trends like knows what colors are gonna fly but also they have the left side of the brain which is like very analytical because marketing is just not about what's pretty it's also about like obviously like i mentioned what converts and the numbers behind consumer behavior and so the fact that every single team member has both sides of their brain i think it helps us become like a growth minded branding agency. It's like we like to balance both. Um and yeah, we're an all women's team, awesome. <laughs> which I'm very proud of. Yeah, and like everyone is is great and I think like um it's also nice to see that because um because we're all women, a lot of female founders actually want to work with us. So I would say that we actually get a lot more female founders that work with us than male founders, which is interesting. And actually I love it because we can actually support like women who are trying to do really awesome stuff. So
0: That's awesome. So for your company, um, do you only work with beauty, like cosmetic products, or is there any other industries that you uh, work with as well?
1: Yeah, we work with like health and wellness, uh, food and beverage, and beauty. I would say that those three categories are like the biggest for us. Yeah. And beauty spans like towards food and beverage like there's so much that, like there's like a you know like cross between every single one of these because there's so much functional food and beverage there's so much functional health and wellness brands coming out so yeah
0: so with the past two years we know things have shifted more people are online it seems like more and more people are launching their products where more, more people are fighting for your attention and things are shifting and changing in the industry so can you talk about like some of the shifts that you've seen in the e-commerce industry amongst, you know, brands and startups and things of that nature?
1: Yeah, a lot has changed. Um, yeah, during COVID, uh, my company was as busy as ever because everyone wanted to go online. And so um, there was definitely that shift of people purchasing and getting more comfortable with e-commerce. Um, it's So that was like a really big shift. Um another big shift that we saw was that a lot of people started companies during the past two years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe COVID got people to be like, oh shit, I should follow my dreams or something. Right. But- <laughs> right. yeah, it did. Yeah. 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 And like we saw a ton of new founders wanting to work with us on like a project that they've just been dying to work on for like five years, but they had finally the time to do it. Um so that that happened as well. And a lot of um, and which is great, but at the same time, it created more competition, um, mm-hmm. meaning that it, it got harder to gain like the attention of people uh, because so many people were kind of compete for the same eyeballs. Um, so what ended up happening is that a lot of people, uh, one, needed to raise money to spend more or two, um, really needed to innovate their products, right? Because the standard for consumers is getting higher and higher and higher. Like can't just like have a skincare product and just put retinol on it and just say like, this works. Like what else are you doing, right? Like expectations are so much higher. So it's actually good because I do think that like companies can't get away with just slapping something pretty onto their labels. They need to think about like their product really hard. Um, So yeah, you see that trend. Health and wellness, especially beauty, just skyrocketed during the past few years too. I think like um, we work with a lot of supplement companies as well, and like every single supplement company we work with just saw like triple growth because people are like, "Yeah, just give me all the things so that I can be healthy," kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Same with beauty and skincare as well. And then the other thing that happened during the past few years is like the iOS change, and I'm sure like everyone might talked about this, but um, it just means that people, it just got more expensive to acquire new customers. Um, and I think that, the and that is the reason why there's kind of two things that are happening. One is like retention is becoming a way bigger topic for a lot of founders and a lot of marketers, which is great because I think like that was something that was missing in a lot of conversations. And second is that people are trying to go back to retail. So not only customers are going back to retail, but I think founders are also being like, okay, let's actually put more resources and getting into like the Sephora's of the world or the DNC's of the world. Um, So that's been a big shift that I've been seeing too.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I see that too, you know, as the world is opening up, opening back up, you know, more um, people are getting into retail and everything. Is that something that you help brands with as well? no. I don't know
1: anything about retail. <laughs> I am a pure e-commerce direct to consumer person and same with my team. Um, so we don't know anything about retail. The only time we touch like retail in any, in any ways is when we do packaging design and we just make sure that it stands out on shelf and we like do planograms and stuff. But other than that, we don't really touch retail at all. Um, but I think it's a very important channel. Like I don't think you can I mean, there are some brands that are purely D2C, but I don't think you can be anymore. I think you actually need to just like bet on all channels like Amazon, you know, retail, D2C, et cetera.
0: Awesome. Now, are there any like shifts that you would like to see in this industry that, you know, like is there something that you would like to see shift? when it comes to beauty or in marketing or just an
1: e-commerce yeah (sighs) yeah I think that um I would love to see people be more um creative about their their marketing tactics yeah I think like um people are so obsessed with just getting the like figuring out the channel that is like the quickest channel to get customers like Facebook and Instagram ads But I think like people are missing out on being creative marketers and I think like this is when like collaborations um brand partnerships like cool campaigns you know like I think people have started start in the past, like, you know, five years, they started to like stray away from it because Facebook and Instagram ads just did so well. But now that it's not, I think like, I would love to see like marketers just think harder about what can, what they can do to stand out. Um, and I think everyone's being forced to do that. So it will be interesting to see how people go about it. Yeah. Like even like um, I see some people like cross, like actually becoming Having a side of their e-commerce site that is actually um, a retail shop with other brands that they know their customers will like, because that also gives them like a new stream of revenue, also like better SEO, and like it's. Int- I think people are starting to get more creative about about how to acquire new customers. So,
0: yeah, it's interesting. Um, is it expensive? <laughs> you know, like is this an like, expensive process to launch your brand? <laughs> it is
1: it it is yeah I mean like especially if you want to create a product that has some R&D and innovation behind it you know you're not just like using a white label product from another manufacturing plant um, but even if you are doing a white label from a manufacturing plant like the MOQ so minimum order quantity for anything is like getting higher and higher so just looking at the cost of like inventory is like you know you got a budget anywhere from like 10k to 20k depending on what you're creating and then on top of it like marketing is like just as much or even more um so it is expensive I think if you do really want a good shot at creating a a brand that's lasting you probably need 100k (laughs) um and I'm saying like if you want to create a brand that like that you want to exit, you know, like and sell to PNG kind of thing. Um, but if you want to create a brand that sustains a good lifestyle and is profitable and like, you know, just kicks off some cash per month, then I think you, you can go less. Um, but yeah, it is getting more expensive to launch a company for sure.
0: Now, how much like is there a percentage? Did you feel like a brand should invest in their marketing? when starting out, like, um, I hear different things. Like, is there a percentage you should, you know, put aside to invest in your marketing. Yeah. I think anywhere from like
1: 20 to 30% of your total budget. Yeah. You okay. shouldn't invest in, in marketing. Um, I would personally probably budget like 50%. <laughs> 50, really? that, tell, tell me why, tell me why. 50. Yeah. I think, um, especially at the beginning parts of your business, you don't know what works and what doesn't work. So like, I think you have to, I would rather invest less in like R&D and actually just invest more in marketing to see what actually sticks. It's very experimental at the very beginning of a brand, right? Like you just like don't know. So, and you have to be open to trying and taking, taking risks um, to find that product market fit. So, So, yeah.
0: Thanks for sharing that. I think sometimes it is is, an investment and it can be risky, but sometimes you have to put that investment to find out what works so that you can, you know, do what works, right? Yeah,
1: no, totally,
0: yeah. That's a part of the game, right? Totally, yes, for sure. (laughs) Well, Well, Jane, it's been awesome having you on a podcast. Is there anything else that you would like to share with us today? Um...
1: No, I think that like, it's, I think that it's cool to see so many new beauty brands come up and like really own a niche market. Like it's not the same as it used to be like 50 years ago when like, you know, there's only one type of beauty and one type of brand and one type of model, you know, um, there's, so many niches and different brands for different types of people and and all people. And I think it's, it's wonderful to see. I think that's like one of the great things that I've been observing about beauty brands. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to see like other brands come out and how they innovate marketing with their businesses.
0: Can you share with us one last thing? What would you say has been the biggest lesson that you've learned on your entrepreneurial journey thus far? Um,
1: I would say that like the most important thing is um, grit and resilience. So making sure that you have the attitude that you'll be able to solve all your problems that you come across. But you also have to couple that with like loving your product or loving your service, but also being open to like to being wrong and to pivoting, right? Because like you probably have a really good instinct that this product or this service people want, but you'll slowly learn over time that you'll have to like change some parts of it, and you can't take it personally, and you have to be like loose about your obsession with this one way of doing things. so yeah, just making sure you're resilient, getting through everything, and also being open to pivoting and switching things up as you learn more about what people want and how people want it.
0: Awesome. What's your mission? Hmm? What's your mission? Your my overall mission. mission? Uh-huh. My overall mission. Yeah. For my company or for me? Yeah, for your company.
1: Um, I think my mission for my company is. It's like helping founders or like empowering founders with like our skill sets to feel confident about their business. And so just like, we just want to help great founders in this world. There's so many of them. And we want to make sure we work with the best and the people that have like really big dreams and goals about like disrupting categories and changing categories and help them like achieve that impossible dream that they have. So I think we're just gonna continue doing that. And we've been lucky that we get to work with so many great founders and so, yeah. So
0: awesome. awesome. Tell everybody how they can connect with you and find you online. Yeah, if you want
1: to um, find us, uh, go to launchpop.com. Um, there's a contact us form there. Um, We also have our social handles, um, launch underscore pop or like if you want to get in contact with me, um, my Instagram and my Twitter is Jane Lee 16.
0: So awesome. Jane Lee, everybody, as always, stay great and we're out. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. Make sure you subscribe. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I want to hear from you. Email me at info at You can also follow me on Instagram at Taylor and Facebook at Taylor. I want to connect with you, so let's stay connected. And remember that all things are possible if you only believe. Stay great.